Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 9. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. It's very possible that maybe they're thinking, hey, we just saw this great, awesome, glorious thing. Clothes shining, radiant. We just saw this awesome thing. Maybe we're pretty special. Well, they thought they were all that in a bag of chips. And now they see themselves as the gatekeepers of doctrinal purity. Perhaps they see themselves as the guardians of faith and practice, protectors of theology and ethics. And they're driven by sectarianism and denominationalism or us for and no more. So instead of being blessed that people are being healed, instead of being blessed that people are being delivered, they're more concerned with the fact that they aren't in their group. Listen, saints, we can never, ever allow ourselves to become church or our church minded. We need to be kingdom minded. Don't y'all agree better than that? We need to be kingdom minded. You know, some people think that if, you know, if people, if you don't go to Calvary Chapel, I mean, you're not really growing. You're not learning the word of God. You know, well, if you don't do it this way or you don't do it that way or we don't do this over here or we don't do this over there, we're a better church. Well, some people think that because we have drums in our church, They'll say, oh, well, that church over there at Calvary Chapel, they're the first church of the Fleshalonians. <laughs> Start looking down your nose at other Christians. You know, Satan loves that. Satan loves that. You know, it, I, it doesn't bother me to tell you the truth. There are ministries that they are based on. Uh, the thrust of their ministry is deliverance. I don't have a problem with that. Now, that's not what we're into here at Calvary Chapel. Me personally, I don't want anything to do with demons. Can a brother get a witness? Look, if the Lord, I have, I, listen, I have been in the presence of demonic activity. And I can honestly tell you, if you ever have, you never would want to be again. It is the scariest, ugliest, most evil thing that you can ever be in the presence of. I don't want anything to do with demons. If the Lord brings me to that place, which he has in the past, I will obey the Lord and do what God has called me to do. But churches who do, I have no problems with them. The only problem I have with them is that if, if deliverance is the focus of the ministry and not the word of God. Mm, What, 10 people agree with that? If deliverance is the fo- look, I don't have a problem with churches that dance in the spirit. I don't care if you jump over pews, swing from the rafters, do back off flips from the stage. I don't care. 
Some churches have what they call carpet time. Y'all ever heard that? Y'all ever heard carpet time? Y'all ain't never heard of carpet time. Well, I just have to tell you, carpet time is like a time in the service in which uh, some churches um, will, they have like a, a select piece of carpet over like there. And it's like a carpet remnant. And you go, it's like, okay, people, it's carpet time. And then people go over to the carpet and they just get on it. And then they just start laughing and just start laughing. And I'm serious, clucking like chickens, barking like dogs, all in the name of the spirit. It's called carpet time. And listen, don't misunderstand me. I don't even have a problem with that. I can tell you this. We don't have carpet time. I'm looking at every one of you individually. Just so you know. We don't have that. I don't have a problem with that. I do have a problem with any activity in a church that has the focus of that activity in lieu of the teaching of the word of God. Well, then I have a problem with it because you cannot grow apart from God's word. Let the church say amen. I'll wait. You can't look and Christians are so much today into experience, but they don't know the word of God and they're dying. And Christians are becoming depressed. Do you know the statistics on depressed Christians in the church is almost as high as it is in the world? That shouldn't be. Why? Because they're not in the book. Their face isn't in the word of God. Listen, you, Mr. Mrs. Christian, you're not the first one to struggle with depression. David struggled with depression. David said, why is my soul uh, cast down? And why is my spirit disquieted within me? And then he had the answer. He said, hope thou in God. Your hope is in the Lord. The answer to your depression is in the Lord. And where do you learn about the Lord? From the word of God. We need the word of God. And if we don't have the word of God, it's going to cause problems for the Christian. You're not going to grow. I remember my first five years as a Christian. Don't misunderstand me. I had fun at church. I love going to church because we have fun. Now, did I learn anything about the word? No. But we had a good time. I leave church. Somebody said, what'd you learn at church? I don't know, but boy, I sure I burned some calories. <laughs> we were jumping over pews. I had me a good time at church. Loved it. But I didn't know the word of God. And one day I thought to myself, after being a Christian for about four years, I remember thinking, if this is all Christianity is about, I don't know that I can do this for the rest of my life. I remember thinking that just as clear as I'm standing here. And then I heard the teaching of God's word. And then I heard some some guy just stand in the pulpit, a normal guy who had on like dockers and um, a shirt and he didn't have on a robe or anything like that. He was just standing there teaching the word of God. And I remember he was teaching the book of Revelation. I had never heard anything like that in my life. I sat on the back row of that church and I cried and I wept because the Holy Spirit revealed to me at that point, Rodney, this is what you need. And if you stay in my word, you can do that for the rest of your life because this book is deep enough for a theologian to drown in and shallow enough for a baby to swim in. You'll be studying this book your whole life. I'm going to wait while you all clap your hands. How's that? 
And all of a sudden, man, I got excited about the things of God. I, I started learning the word of God. I started studying the word of God and, and getting to know the word of God. And I started to realize that it really isn't, this whole Christian thing is not about what you feel. It really isn't about what you feel. It's about what you know. I'm trying to help you. It's about what you know. It's not about what you feel. Some days you wake up in the morning, you don't feel like a Christian. It happens to me. I told you, some mornings I wake up, I don't feel like a Christian. I feel like I want to take three Advils. I don't feel like a Christian, but that doesn't change the fact that I am a Christian. Being a Christian has everything to do with what you know and what you believe and not necessarily what you feel. Satan wants you to feel it because there'll come a day where you don't feel it. And then you'll go, oh, I must not be a Christian because I don't feel like a Christian. You see, we have to be kingdom minded, not experience driven not experience driven. You know, somebody once said, talking about emotions, somebody once said, it doesn't matter how high you jump, but how straight you walk when you come down. Isn't that true? I don't have a problem with any of these things, but it's how straight you walk when you come down. Me personally, I thank God for diversity in the body of Christ. I thank God. Look at, look around you look to your left, look to your right. This is one diverse church. And I'm happy to say it really is a diverse church. All kinds of people from all different. I'm looking at Indian people right now. I'm looking at black people and white people. And I am amazed at what God has done at Calvary Chapel in Cary. And I'm just a part of it. I don't have nothing to do with it. It's all God. I'm giving all the glory to God. I thank God for the diversity. I thank God that I, I thank God that early in my Christian life that I learned that, 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 that you know, we don't all have to be the same. That God uses every one of us individually and we don't all have to be the same. And we don't all, because I came from a background where everybody looked like the pastor in the church. All the leadership, they looked like the pastor. Pastor, nice suit, nice clothes, moose in the hair. They had nice suit, nice moose in the hair. Pastor had a jerry curl, they had a jerry curl. A wet, drippy one too. <laughs> you know, everybody look the same. Everybody act the same. In this church, look, leadership, they don't look like me. They don't, they don't act like me. I'm nicer than all the leadership. I really am. I mean, I'm nicer than they. We don't we all have to look the same. We can just study the word of God and just be free to love the Lord. Amen. You don't have to look a certain way. You know, people tell me all the time, they say, well, you don't look like a pastor. And I say to them, what does a pastor look like? Well, I don't know, but you don't look like a pastor. Well, what do you mean? I don't have a long flowing robe on. I don't look like a pastor. No, I, I remember this one lady. I was telling them first service. I remember this was before I was a pastor. And I remember this one lady. I was out in Southern California. And my wife and I were going into Home Depot. I think Lowe's or whatever. And this one little lady, she is a short little black lady. She about, she about high as this tree. And... <laughs> <laughs> she was the cutest lady. I mean, the cutest lady. So we're just going into Home Depot, you know. You know, just going into Home Depot. She said, lady, she, she, excuse me. I said, she, she's looking at me like this. And she's looking around my head like this. And she goes, you, you're a minister. And I said, 
Well, I mean, I teach the Bible. And she's looking around my head and it's like making me awkward. It's making me kind of, I'm, she's looking around like this and I'm like trying to turn my head this way so she's not looking. She keeps going like this and I'm going like this, you know. And she said, you, you, you a minister? I said, well, I teach the Bible. She said, you, you, you look like a preacher. You look like a preacher. I said, really? Okay, well, what do you mean? She said, you know what? You look like a preacher because you got a fat neck. <laughs> See, you're a fat neck preacher. I st- I'm like, it is kind of fat. <laughs> she goes, you look like a preacher. I don't know. She, in her mind, a preacher had a fat neck. I don't know where she got that from. But, but what does a preacher look like? I mean, what, what, what? Do you wear long flowing robes? It'd be nice if maybe you become a preacher and you like become fluorescent green or something and then all the preachers are green. But what does a preacher look like? God wants to use you for you. And you don't have to look nor be like anybody else. God wants to use your life, use your personality, and the way that God has created you. Now, don't get me wrong. Listen, if there are people talking about if they're not for us, then they're against us. If they're not for us, then then they're on our side. What Jesus said, if there are things that, there, there are things that we as Christians, we need to divide over. And what I mean by that is if somebody tells you that Jesus is not the only way to heaven, if somebody tells you that the word of God isn't the final authority, if somebody challenges the deity of Jesus, the virgin birth, the infallibility of the word of God, the resurrection, all these things are doctrinal. Guys, listen, Christianity rises or falls on these doctrines. And if people do not believe that, then then you are to separate fellowship with them. Are y'all getting me? And this is very important. But those who are not against a biblical Jesus are still on our side. You got to be careful not to divide over silly little stupid things, clothes and color of skin and all of these kinds of things. Notice in verse 51 in your Bibles, it came to pass. You looking at it? It came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Now, give me your attention. If you're heading from Galilee to Jerusalem, the quickest route is a direct route from the north to the south going through the mountains of Samaria. Most Jews wouldn't travel the quickest route. They would take the long way around because the Jews and Samaritans hated each other. Don't you remember in John chapter 4? Jesus was at the well and a woman of Samaria came and Jesus said, hey, I'd like to get a drink of water. And she said, how can you, being a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan, for a drink of water when the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans? And then the woman started asking Jesus about worship. Remember the story? And she said, I'm confused. She said, the Jews say that we're to worship in Jerusalem. That's the place to worship. And the Samaritans say that Mount Gerizim is the place to worship. And Jesus said to that woman, he said, don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. The hour is coming and now is when they that worship me must worship me. What? In spirit and in truth. God is seeking people to worship him in spirit and in truth. And so they enter a village of Samaria, of the Samaritans. And the Samaritans didn't receive Jesus. Did you get that? And when James and John saw this, they said, oh, no, they didn't. (laughs) They said to Jesus, look at verse 54. 
They said to Jesus, Lord, do you want us to terrorize them? Can you imagine asking Jesus something like that? Lord, they didn't receive you. You want us to burn them up? Jesus probably said, I didn't come to burn them. I came to bless them. You see, Jesus came to save people. He didn't come to burn them up. He came to be a blessing to them. He came to love people. And keep in mind now, these guys, now keep in mind, they had, now why would they say this? Listen, listen, listen. Why would they say that? Do you want us to call down fire from heaven? Well, they just keep the context. Remember, I always tell you context, 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 context. The context is this. They just came off the Mount of Transfiguration. And it was on the Mount of Transfiguration that they saw two people, Moses and Elijah, who called down fire from heaven. It's very possible that these guys came down and they're thinking, man, look, we, we, we are all that. We can do what Elijah did. Right? These guys had that experience up on Mount Transfiguration, and when they came down, they were crazy. And they come down, they say, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and consume them like Elijah did? And I get the impression that the disciples, James and John, (laughs) I just see this picture in my head, that they're standing there like in black leather vests, Leather, leather headbands, leather robes, and they stand there looking like demonic disciples or something like that. And they say, Lord, you want us to call down fire from heaven? Notice what Jesus says in verse 55. Jesus turned to them and rebuked them and said, the son of man didn't come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Verse 51 tells us that Jesus steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Write this in your margins and Verse 55, right next to verse 55, Isaiah 50, verse 7 says, For the Lord God will help me, therefore I will not be disgraced, therefore I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. Jesus set his face like a flint or like a rock with a steadfast determination heading toward Jerusalem, knowing that the cross was ahead of him. Knowing, are you listening? Very important. Knowing that his back would be struck. Knowing that his beard would be plucked. Knowing that people would spit in his face, all of this, and yet the Bible says that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Why? Why would he do that? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. This is a memory verse. The Bible tells us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, the joy. The joy? What joy? The joy that was set before him, what joy? The joy, listen, of providing us a savior, the joy of a redeemed life. It brought Jesus joy 
going to that cross, knowing what he's going to suffer. If you trek it with me, please say amen. Knowing what he's going to suffer, it brought him joy to be able to look at the thief on the cross and say, today you will be with me in paradise. There was a joy in him knowing that after the cross, you would be saved and I would be saved. It was a joy of what followed the suffering. You see, he didn't cruise through the suffering. He endured the suffering. He didn't enjoy the shame. He despised the shame, but he did it for you and he did it for me. And he set his face like a flint toward the cross for the joy of our salvation. Somebody once wrote this and I love it. They said, isn't it odd that a being like God who sees the facet still loves the clod he made out of sod? Now, isn't that odd? It is odd that he loves us. Jesus died, listen, for you. He didn't die for himself. Did you get me? He died for you, and he died for me. And that's odd. Why would someone die for a Christ-rejecting, sinful world? Why would a father allow his son to suffer and endure what Jesus did for people who didn't even love him? If you ever question how much God loves you, all you have to do is look at the cross. He loves us. And the Bible teaches that Jesus is going to judge the world someday, but until he comes to judge the world, he came to save the world. Currently, God's dealing with men by his mercy, not by judgment. God wants to save your life. He doesn't want to destroy your life. He doesn't want to ruin your life. You know, so many people think that Jesus wants to take away their fun, that Jesus wants to make their lives boring. Can I tell you something? I didn't start living until I gave my life to Jesus. You know what I'm talking about. I didn't start living. People think being a Christian is boring. Listen, I was bored before I became the Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, one sister. (laughs) I was bored before I came to Christ. Now in Christ, I have joy unspeakable. Joy all day long. Is everything in my life perfect? No. But I know in whom I serve. And I know that Jesus has already gotten the victory over every circumstance in my life. And therefore, I smile and I hold my head up and I walk in joy. My life didn't begin. Being a Christian is the funnest. I know I made that word up. It's the funnest thing ever. I love being a Christian. It's a joy being a Christian. It's a joy serving the Lord. Obviously, nobody agrees. It's a joy serving the Lord. (laughs) It's wonderful being a Christian, living your life, the daily joy and the purpose in life that you receive when you become a Christian. Jesus came to save your life. Satan came to ruin your life. So the question remains, where does Jesus and this question, are you for him or against him? Where do you stand? Are you for him or are you against him? Can I tell you something? 
There's no neutrality in Christ. You're either for him or against him. And you say, well, he just, he's all right with me. I don't have no problem with Jesus. Somebody wrote a song about it, didn't they? They said, Jesus is just all right with me. Jesus is just all right. They're like, oh, yeah. And he's more than all right. He's awesome. He is wonderful. We're going to talk about it for the rest of the month. The mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, the rose of Sharon. He's merciful and loving and faithful and gracious and full of compassion. We could go on and on and on about the greatness of our God. He's more than all right. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He's more than all right. Where are you? Are you for him or are you against him? If you walk out and you say, well, you know, I just said I'm okay right now. Well, then that is a statement, a declaration to him that you're against him because you can't be neutral. You got to be for him or against him. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.